What's your first reaction when you hear no? If it's an emphatic no, most people recoil. I mean, who wants to be around someone whose first response is to set up roadblocks to your thoughts, your ideas, your feelings? Today, we talk to author Paul Boynton about being a person who begins with yes. He's the author of a book with that title, and I had lots of questions for him. Paul S. Boynton is the author of several books, including Amazon bestsellers Begin With Yes and Be Amazing. His Begin With Yes Facebook page includes over 2 million friends from around the world, and the community continues to evolve and grow as the engagement deepens with with his audience. He is also a personal and business coach and a popular keynote speaker. Welcome to The Grand Life, Paul. Hey, it's great to be here. It took us a little while to figure out all the connections, but we <laughs> it did, did it. We did it. And um, I, I probably will say this more than once, but um, I was so grateful that you um, began with yes when it came to me asking you to be on this program. So thanks I so much. It. You're welcome. Um, so we're, we're so privileged to have you, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little better. And in this interview, I first of all, I just want to find out a little bit about yourself and, you know, okay. how, because we're a grandparenting podcast, maybe about your own family and your sure. grandchildren. Okay. Well, I am uh, recently retired from a full-time job running a nonprofit in New Hampshire, and um my whole family grew up in New Hampshire, and one by one, my children um, started migrating to Florida for different reasons. And so now all of my kids ended up in Florida, and they said they're not going back to <laughs> New Hampshire winters. So uh, I'm at this incredible place of retiring from an amazing job that I really loved um, that um, I had had for 25 years. Before that job as a CEO of a nonprofit, um, I worked for another nonprofit serving people with disabilities. So my whole life has been around working with people with disabilities. I have uh, my degrees are in social work and counseling. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've always sort of found myself in the helping professions. Um, my first job was uh, in New Hampshire at a candy store, which I loved. Oh, uh, wow. Because uh, I, I'm uh, sort of a sugarholic. So, <laughs> oh, well, we have that in common. <laughs> I mean, and we actually found out that I grew up in New Hampshire, so we have that in common as well. So it sounds right. like we have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then I've got um, four grandchildren, and, and my oldest son, um, his children are one has graduated from college, and one is in, and she's in Florida now. And then his youngest son is in Chicago at the Art Institute studying there. And then my daughter has two kids and they are in Orlando and they're both in elementary school. So oh, I wow. sort of I sort of straddle that like younger children um, as grandchildren and then adults, which is I mean, it's it's kind of amazing, actually. To, yeah, it's and it's very different. Worlds. It's very it different to be a grandparent of adults. Yeah. I, I'm not there yet, so. <laughs> yeah, well, it happens, it comes quickly, so. I know, I know. We have a 10-year-old grandson who's our oldest, and I just, I'm just kind of, like, amazed that we've gotten to this point already. <laughs> you know, I've been on your Facebook uh, page, and I, I love the positive light mm. that you put on everything and it's a you know it's a dark time we're, we're heading into 
another year, it seems like, another winter of COVID. And I wonder what prompted you at first. I mean, obviously, you didn't write this when COVID was hitting. So what prompted you to write this book and then start the Begin With Yes Facebook account? Yeah, it was um, the Begin With Yes, which was my first book. um, I was written over 10 years ago. So last year, I, I released a 10th anniversary edition of that book. Uh, with really no changes other than a new forward um, by Jane Seymour, mm-hmm. which I was lucky to get. But um, the I think as a CEO of a nonprofit, uh, I was always making speeches and presentations at annual meetings and events. And I found that I never actually did, did the typical speeches. I was always sort of preaching in a way, preaching not in in telling people what to yeah. do, but I was always, there was always a message behind um, what I was doing. So one day I realized I had like 20 sort of presentations or speeches or remarks that were all different, but they were all talking about the power of positivity and, and hope, I think, as much as anything. And I also have this great respect for um, reality in that life is not always a bowl of cherries for everybody. And we've all gone through um, difficult times, myself included. And so it's sort of like the the blending of being optimistic and hopeful and also realistic and respectful of the challenges and difficulties um, we all face. Yeah, I I love that because uh, I think, you know, uh, if you were just a successories person, and, and I don't know if people know what successories are, but those posters that you put up that, you know, are all like rah, rah, rah. Right. And after a while, that can get kind of tiresome yeah. because you're like, yeah, well, and then even with the grand life, we call it the grand life, but grand means, um, you know, spanning everything. Right. So it spans the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I love the begin with yes. I was very taken with that idea because I've had several important people in my life who I would say begin with no. They, they're the kind of people who I know the minute I suggest something or we talk about something, it's going to be a no. And I'm wondering if you might help me understand how we or how all of us should handle that when there's somebody that's like that. I mean, is the only thing that they're good for to be non-examples in our lives or is there something else we can do? Sometimes we all have to begin with no to take care of ourselves. And so we say yes to ourselves, but no to somebody else. So that's, mm. I, I think, an important distinction. So my book and my my belief system isn't based upon saying yes to everything that comes your way, um, but it's being open to, to possibilities and considering um, yes before you jump to no, because we, we're... We're sort of programmed as children. We grow up learning how to say no. I think I think I read somewhere that one of the first words that kids, children, babies learn is no. How to, how to yeah. push back and say say no. So no is 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 an important word. I can remember when I when I was writing the section of the book talking about people in our lives who are so prone to say no, and I always originally my thought was to try to move away from from those people mm-hmm. as much as you can, and then people would say, well, what if the person is my mother or my husband right. or my sister, um, and that was really the the biggest pushback from my editor on the book was was me being so absolute about you know, how to not have those kinds of people in our lives. And I sort of adopted this plan of just, instead of putting so much attention on the no people, bring more yes people into Mm -hmm. your life. 
Um, I mean, we can't make the people who um, always see the, the dark side or the downside, we can't make them go away um, necessarily. And sometimes there are people that are very important in our life that we love and care about and need to keep around. So it's creating some space, some, some personal space for yourself and not letting yourself necessarily be overreacting to their negativity. And I think sometimes we're going through this mm -hmm. right now with the whole vaccine thing. It's sort of like we're, we're either yes or we're no, and there's no in-between space for people to dialogue or have a conversation. So, and so it's, it's keeping that space open. And sometimes we find out that the initial no comes from, from it's, it's more like this sort of organic, natural response. To I, any, I used to think it's because um, I grew up in New England. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's, you know, that probably is <laughs> I, I married the, someone is from the South, it. and I was like, oh, my goodness, they all say yes. I don't know if they really mean it, but they say. <laughs> well, that's the downside of people that always say yes, too. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's trying not to overreact to the no's. And, you know, it's interesting having grown up uh, or for the last 25 years being the CEO of a nonprofit, uh, I, there are some people in my organization who go to no first, mm -hmm. but their no is based upon something important that I might not be paying attention to or, uh -huh. or missing. And so if you listen to them and, and hear what they have to say, sometimes you can sort of gradually together move to a, a stronger or better yes than you would have originally started at. That's so interesting. So I, I don't want to um, boil begin with yes down to just saying yes all the time. I, I would like to have you talk sure. a little bit about the concept of action with the begin with yes idea. That really grew out of my resistance to this sense that if you could just think positive thoughts, that that would be enough and you could manifest. And I, and, and I, I, I'm not at a place where I can say that doesn't work or does work or be judgmental or critical about people who are mm -hmm. really into that. But from a practical standpoint, that always struck me as missing the, the, the piece where you actually have to do something. Having a positive thought is great, and it's a great place to start. Um, but if you don't do something, if you don't take um, some positive action towards that goal, like for example, you don't manifest a new job just by saying, I'm, I imagine myself in a new job where um, I get to have my own hours and um, I can take as many vacation days as I want and I'm happy every day when I go to work. I mean, that's one sort of approach. Um, but I'm thinking that's that's sort of a nice sort of target to hold in your head. But then you have to actually do something. So if that's what you want, what are you going to do to get that? So it's I, I sort of like the blending of ideas where the the um, sort of positive idea blends with a yeah, positive action. Yeah, I like action. that a lot because uh, you're right. It's it. it and, and you, you break it down in your book so well, just, just little tiny steps. So if you're having a thought, yes. uh, I, wanna, I want to move or I want to be living somewhere else or whatever, you, you don't do that all at once. It, it takes little right. things like starting to look on Zillow and in the areas that you think you want to live or whatever that is. If there's any sort of essential message that I, I try to talk with people about, it's that small step 
um, because we, if we have, especially if we have big goals, um, it's very easy to get overwhelmed by them, and um, it's very easy to get into feeling like that that requires so much that I just feel immobilized mm -hmm. and that feeling powerless sort of completely negates you having access to all the power that you do have. And so I say, you can focus on all the power you don't have, or you can embrace the power that you do have. And you do have the power to take a small step. And the small step, I, I sometimes it's gotta be really, really, really yeah. tiny. Um, and I don't care how tiny it is because I always tell people that if you're taking a step, no matter how small, then you're moving. And if you're moving, you're not stuck because you can't be stuck and moving at the same time. Exactly. It's impossible. Exactly. One of my things that I remember my dad saying is don't get paralyzed by the complexity of a situation. So like breaking uh, it down yeah, and, and doing little things. I want to talk a little bit about grandparents. As parents, they begin with no a lot. <laughs> and then as grandparents, we start to develop an ability to begin with yes. Um, how do you explain that? What is it that's happened to us that as grandparents, because, you know, lots of adult children will say, you never were like that when I was a kid. It's a great question because I think that our role as grandparents is different than our role as parents. And so it's it's grandparents and are um, in some cases grandparents do step into the parenting role. Yeah. Um, and that seems to be happening uh, frequently today. But in general, um, the role of the grandparent is different than the role of the parent. And so. I think we have, as grandparents, uh, a lot of people talk about that it's more fun being a grandparent because it you're is. Yes. so focused on um, <laughs> taking care of sort of the essentials. You get to deal with the, the sort of the fun, the fun stuff more often. Yeah. And I'm left with this feeling like perhaps parenting could sort of be open to focusing a little less on the no and a little more on the yes. And maybe as grandparents, maybe as our lives sort of expand and we grow as people, the, the blending of the grandparent and the parent role can sort of merge and not be so obviously distinct. I do, I do know there are a lot of millennials who are working hard to be more more positive in the way that, even in the way they express themselves. I know I've worked at schools before, and it used to be, you know, when I was in school, if you were running in the hallway, it was like, no, don't do that, don't do that. Right. And now they say, walking feet, or can we use a better, right. you know, can we do, and it's a very... Oh, your indoor, your indoor voice. A, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's a spin on, it's a positive spin right. on a negative behavior. Right. And I, I feel like my own children are doing that more with their children. I see that, and I recognize that Maybe maybe we didn't need to be so negative when we were parents. <laughs> right. I think, too, it's it's, all, it's what you raise. It's the point that you just mentioned. It's how, can we reframe this right. so it feels different but still gets the message across? Right. And, again, the, the, no is a very powerful and a very good word mm -hmm. when, you know, you're walking on the sidewalk and a car is coming right. toward you. You say, no, get, yeah. you know, get back. away from <laughs> Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, reframing is another part of your book. That's just a little tease. So if anybody wants to, you know, is going to read the book, <laughs> there, there is a part about reframing, which I, I love and I think is, is really, really important. Let's talk about your newest book called Be Amazing. What is it about? What can we, what can we expect? 
I'm always in this mode of what's next for me. And so when I finish one project, I'm always thinking about, you know, what, what's going to be next for me. Um, and so I was in that phase of wanting to write another book, but not knowing what that book was going to be about. And we were at a wedding um, in Walla Walla, Washington, which I had actually never heard of, but it's a small town um, out West. And you feel like you're um, almost in the fifties because there are people on their porch waving to you when you walk by. <laughs> and it's a, Sounds it's a wonderful. kind of a, yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful feeling. And so we, we were there for a wedding, just there for two days. We asked a lot of people where the best restaurant was. And everyone said it's um, the Maple Counter Cafe downtown. So we walked down there and we stood in line and we were having fun. And, and we had to wait because it was the best place in town to get breakfast. And every once in a while, someone would come out and say, um, we're working on it. Hang in there. <laughs> it was just sort of an acknowledgement that you're there and we care about you. And then we sat down and, and the chef brought out a giant pancake and just, apple pancake and just put it on the table and said, thanks for waiting. Oh, wow. um, and, and then the server came over and I'm from New Hampshire. I'm always the first question I ask is, do you have real maple syrup? And uh, yes. down in Florida, they say yes, but they Man think after it's, my like, um, it's like a the, mix. The, it's the pretend maple syrup. They think it's real <laughs> maple syrup. So I always have to quiz them further. But maple syrup is important to me. <laughs> me and too. So they said, of course, we have maple syrup. And, and not only do they have it, but they didn't charge extra for it. It just was oh, out wow. of their uh, meal. <laughs> and then as busy as they were, everyone was so nice. And then they would, you know, some restaurants, they don't, um, you can't create your own sort of, what could I, instead of yeah, that, I have we're not doing that. that. They don't do any of that. They say, whatever you want, we can make happen. And so it was wow. really a wonderful experience. And I'm thinking, and I love to go out to breakfast and I'm thinking this is, and I go out to breakfast all the time. So I have a lot to compare it with. And I'm thinking, this is an amazing <laughs> restaurant. And what did it take to be amazing? And it didn't take that much. And so then I'm thinking, why would anyone want to be a good breakfast spot when they could be amazing. And then I realized, and, and so it's really sort of, the book sort of began taking shape at that breakfast and I started getting excited. And while everyone was talking, I'm writing my next book in my head. <laughs> it really boiled down to understanding what amazing looks like for you. Mm. Um, and you have to sort of say, if I want, first of all, do you want to be an amazing restaurant? and then carry that over into anything that you do, including do you want to be an amazing grandparent or grandfather, which is one of the mm -hmm. things I did in my book. And it takes a little work because you have to identify what does an amazing restaurant look like for you? Um, and what does an amazing, for example, grandfather look like for you? And then yes. once you've identified what that looks like, then you simply have to do that. And, and it's like, it's not rocket science. It seems so simple, but I think what my book does is it gives people a, an opportunity to be able to be amazing and to recognizing how close they are to that. And really all that you have to do is to do a little um, thoughtful work so you understand what it is that it would take to get to where you wanna go. 
That's exactly what we talk about on The Grand Life all the time, the intentional grandparenting, being an intentional grandparent. And you know, beautiful. I love that. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I think sometimes you go through life and in a passive way and you think it's just you're going to end up being amazing because you're a grandparent but it actually takes a little bit of thought but not a lot you're right you can you can decide how you want it to look and it won't look the same as somebody else so you know i i think for grandparents i wanted to talk a little bit about this because especially as our grandchildren get a little older it's easy to believe that we need to take a back seat at the table because we're not the parents and we're we're just the grandparents and i'm putting that in air quotes so we maybe feel like we should be a little less involved with our family and maybe, I mean, I've seen this happen to people as they age. They start kind of, uh, what are they, they progress out to the outside corners of places and they end up not talking very much and not being engaged with their grandchildren, especially as they get older and busier, like their grandchildren get busier so they don't have time for them. So how do we stay vibrant and intentionally engaged with our family as we age? That's a new stage of our lives that we have to be thinking about. Yeah, um, you ask such such beautiful questions i i think for me and i think it may not be the same for everybody mm-hmm. if i could just back up just a tiny bit sure just as a tick so so that's what i will say next makes sense but i have four grandchildren and to be an amazing grandfather isn't the same for each of them yeah um and so there isn't this recipe or formula and so to be an amazing um grandfather to my grandson cash is different than being an amazing grandfather to um, my very youngest, Ty, and then to be an amazing grandparent to my older grandchildren. They're just different things. And I don't want to turn this into this sort of like this textbook kind of formula. I'm not, you know, it doesn't have to be um, like rigidly where you sit down and you write. It's just, it's what you're saying. It's being intentional and thoughtful about what you're doing. So having sort of reminded people about that's where I'm coming from. I think that when you're grandchildren are younger, um, being a perfect or amazing grandparent probably looks a little bit different than it does when your grandchildren get older. So if you if you are trying to treat your grandchildren using the same kind of approach with your younger children as with the older grandchildren, that it's sort of an evolving, it's a moving sort of target, it's a, it's a moving process. Isn't that true even in relationships and marriages and long-term relationships? Things shift. We change. And so we're adapting, adjusting. And hopefully that's a natural flow. For me, with now having really two adult grandchildren, I I am so amazed at how much I can learn from my grandchildren. Mm. Um, And so my approach has been to basically especially, I mean, with all my kids and with all my grandchildren, do my very best to show up as who I really am, which means not perfect. Um, Amazing doesn't mean perfect. (laughs) And the more authentic we are about who we really are, then we're actually teaching an important lesson to our grandchildren about being authentic themselves, that it's okay to be uh, different. I have four grandchildren. They're all quite different from each other. Um, And my experience when I spend time with them is different. But I, I, for me, especially with my older grandchildren, which I think maybe that becomes more difficult for grandparents to to keep that connection with the older, the, the more authentic I am um, and the more open I am to 
learning what they have to teach me um, as much as what I might have to teach them. I think that they're, I think that it's just, it's this place of um, great sort of joy because of the equality in the relationship. It's, 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 it's just different. Oh, that that's so great. I, I, you know, I get it. And I, and I think one of the things I liked about your book and your philosophy that you're expressing is that it's not a self-help book. It actually, I mean, I guess you could look at it as self-help, but in a sense, it's helping others. Like it, it's right. like an other-centered book, um, a book where you, where an idea or a philosophy where you're helping others. So it's so by helping yourself, you're helping others. Right. It's yeah. It's a beautiful circle, and I often say if you're if you're lonely, then look for someone that's lonely and make them less lonely. Yeah. And and believe me. If you are open to what your adult grandchildren have to teach you, they're going to keep you younger and vibrant and more connected to what's going on in the world than you might be. And I, I feel energized every time I'm around my grandchildren. We laugh a lot um, and we use different languages, you know, different um, words than we used with our younger grandchildren. We treat them like adults. Um, yeah. And we get to be adults and it's a, it's a very exciting and fun. And um, I don't know, that was for me an easy transition. I don't know why. I think because I'm, I'm so like uh, on the edge of something. Um, oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to <laughs> I'm actually, yes, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, Paul, it's been wonderful having you on. Thank you so much for saying yes to this interview. And I personally... I've gotten a lot of joy and encouragement from talking with you and also from what looking at what you share on Facebook. It helps me get through the day sometimes. So thank you so much. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. It's been wonderful talking to you and I could talk to you for another hour or so. But I, I know. know. It's like, well, we can do that. <laughs> When you're we'll do that. We'll, we'll have breakfast together. <laughs> All right. That sounds great. Thank <laughs> With you real so maple much. syrup. Absolutely. Thank you so much. After talking with Paul, I realized a few new things. That yes isn't always the right answer, but it often is. That I need to surround myself with more yes people than no people. And that taking small, positive steps towards a goal is better than standing still. Actually, not just better, but necessary if I want to accomplish any kind of goal that I set for myself. So as you look at your own life, are you a yes or a no person? Can you find a way to change if you don't like the approach you take to things? How do you think your own adult children and grandchildren would describe you? In the next episode, my husband Mike and I will be talking about those questions, and we would love to know what you're thinking. Feel free to leave a voicemail at 317-572-7876, or you can email me at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com. Also, I would just like to remind you to look at the show notes for the episode for more about Paul's books and his wonderful Facebook page. In the meantime, we appreciate any reviews about our podcast or likes and follows on our Facebook and Instagram pages because they work like an online word-of-mouth recommendation, helping other grandparents discover that there is something here for them. I'm Emily Morgan, and thanks for joining me in Living the Grand Life.